0: Welcome inside episode 580 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains. And we are continuing to look at the next contracts for Ottawa Senators restricted free agents. And today we're going to dive in to Alex Flash Formanton.
1: And we continue our prospect profile countdown with number 18 and 17, uh, guys from Juregarden and the Winnipeg Ice. But which ones?
0: Oh, we'll get into all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Tuesday. June 14th we are free and available on all platforms including on YouTube where the best way you can help the show grow is to subscribe to the channel you can like the videos by clicking the thumbs up below and today we want to know what your best offer would be to Alex Formanton obviously becoming a fan favorite with his exceptional speed Pilsy we had to do some digging to find some comparables that could be used in his negotiation
1: Yeah, there's not a lot of guys like Alex Formington at his age, that's for sure. I mean, at 22 years old, sure, this was his first full season in the NHL, but he had a damn good season, and he proved that he can be more valuable than just a guy who has bursts of speed here and there. He can be an effective penalty killer, too. 79 games, 18 goals, 14 assists, good for 32 points on uh, the Ottawa Senators this year, and he had some ups and downs during the season, though, Ross, like he was hot, he was cold, he was very cold, he heated back up again, and DJ Smith uh, tended to use him very differently on a night-to-night basis, so it's going to be interesting to see what we come up with here for Alex Formanton's next contract.
0: No doubt. There's a stretch in December and January. You put those two months together, he had 16 points in 20 games. Like If he had continued that throughout the year, the number would be so much higher. But February struggled. Only two goals, one assist in 12 games. Obviously, everyone struggled in November. He only had the two points in nine games there, dash five. But as the season went along, you could tell DJ Smith was trusting him more and more in different situations. Did he end the year the way he'd like? Probably not. But at the same time, that stretch through the middle of the season, the dog days, which kind of makes sense because in those dog days, that's where you'll often see like an off night here or there. His speed never sleeps. Like, that's the thing about, to quote our boy, Parley, he's speeding in school zones. That's what he does out there, but he also creates for his teammates. Like, how many offensive opportunities did Connor Brown and Alex Formanton create shorthanded this year? That in itself, it, it just makes him
1: such a unique player. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's the thing. Like, if you look at sure, he has 18 goals, but how many breakaways did he get that he didn't score? Like, that I I can think of like five off the top of my head where he's getting these breakaways, and sure, he's not getting a goal on the penalty kill, but he's killing off 30, 40 seconds almost, and he's uh, he's creating offense. Best defense is a good offense. That works on the PK too. Exactly, and uh, Alex Formington, he I think in a perfect ideal situation, he's your third line left winger, right? Like that is... That is the perfect spot for him. He's too much um, skill and he's too good to be on the fourth line. He's not quite at a point where I'd like him to have uh, like consistent top six minutes. Maybe he'll get there. Keep in mind, he's only 22. He's only had one season in the NHL, full season, under his belt. So maybe he gets there one day. But for now, for purpose of this discussion about his contract, I think we're looking at him in a third-line winger type role.
0: He's one of only a few players on this team who played under Guy Boucher, right? It's so funny to think that. Yeah, the one game, yeah. (laughs) Just had the one game, right? But he hung out with the team for like a month and a half. And I like that realization of like, hey, this guy's going to be a part of our future. He had a great training camp. Let's give him the contract like they did with Ostapchuk. But unlike Ostapchuk, they kept him around. This was right after the conference finals birth. Vibes were high. This was before Sweden. And they were able to... You know, take him out west. I think he was in a on a boat with uh, Dion Phaneuf out fishing. So you know, you get that pro lifestyle, and then when you send them back to junior, yeah, say what you want. Maybe London's like the thirty third NHL franchise, and the way that they're run, but you still get to travel in the charter. You know, I I think that is valuable for for a player like like Alex Formanton and anyone to be counted on in those situations. Then he jumps into the AHL and just lights it up 27 goals like i don't think everyone thought he had that type of offensive pop right away he was the fastest skater in the skills competition i'll let that sink in i know it's a shocker but <laughs> what else does he do he gets his first cup of coffee the next year in the nhl and i thought he was good not great right you don't expect greatness as a uh, as a rookie but 20 games 6 points but this year like 18 goals i know we we're on milestone watch at the end of the season and Yeah, the goals slowed down drastically. He had that two-goal performance in the game against Vancouver, the uh, Gaudette revenge game. He had two goals in there, one goal against Montreal. All the game we were at where he just burst down the wing. Shocking. goes in, scores on Carey Price. But Pilsy, those were the only three goals he scored in his last – I'm just trying to add this up here on hockey reference – in his last, like, 15 games. So there was – really a relentless pressure on him to to finish those chances. But the way I see it, he's still creating chances. Like there's a few games here where he has four, five shots on goal, seven in the game he had the two goals. So the offense was there. But the real question is how much of his success last year do you attribute to playing as much
1: as he did with Tim Stutzla? Well, I don't – because I'd be interested to look at the numbers – I didn't think they played that well together, Ross. Like, I wanted them to play well together, and I was banging on the table when Formanton was stuck on uh, bottom six roll. Oh, when my was God, with, opening. T- with Tierney. Yeah, it was, you, it was terrible.
0: Could you have a worse match in terms of player compatibility on a line?
1: No, you really, you really can't. And things like weren't working Bob, out
0: Throw him. Bobby Ryan on the right wing. May as oh, well. Yeah, or
1: Austin Watson, just to mix things up a little. Hey, um, sniper
0: at the end of the year, Austin Watson.
1: But that's the thing with Formi. Like, it, it was tough to really figure out, okay, where is he fitting in? I think once they get another top six winger and their top six is is set, then I think a line of Formenton, Pinto, and Brown would work perfectly and it would make a lot of sense. So I think – the important thing to look at here, though, is he's a 22 year old restricted free agent. What that means and why that's important no arbitration eligible. So the Ottawa Senators completely hold all the leverage here, Ross. Like, they're like, Formanton and his agent are basically at their mercy. At this point in the game, when it comes to contract negotiations, so I think we put the question out on Twitter at Send Central what would a contract look like for Alex Formanton to you guys? A lot of people said three by three, some people said two, two and a half million, and that's fine. But I think the Sens are really going to work on holding that leverage with a guy like Alex Formanton while they have it because all the guys they're having leverage on contract wise they're giving them big deals and they're going to lose that leverage when they're done. So they need to make sure they get best bang for their buck for the role players so that they don't have to penny pinch for the big guys.
0: Tim Stutzla played almost 500 minutes at even strength with Alex formanton this season. It's the teammate with the most ice time alongside Alex Formanton. Second is Connor Brown. And then it's a bit of a gap. And then third, of course, as we mentioned at the start of the year, he spent a lot more time with Chris Tierney playing over 20 minutes and Ironically, his Corsi numbers were better
1: with Tierney than they were with Tim Stutzla. Yeah, they just didn't match Timmy and and Formington. And remember, there was at the end of the year there was a rumor going around that they didn't like each other and that uh, Timmy wasn't huh? passing to him. Oh, and, that was uh, okay. That's bottom of the barrel. Oh no, HF definitely
0: boards rumors.
1: But but I'm just saying like. <laughs> It was apparent that like this wasn't working. Like DJ right, Smith but they is not going avoiding into
0: passing to each other. Come on. No,
1: I, I'm I'm saying those are rumors. That's right. why I, I strictly use the word rumors. Yeah. But you could see that the play on ice just wasn't. It wasn't clicking. And DJ Smith is not going into next season being like, "Yep, let's get Formy and Timmy back together." Like those, right. those are not a pair that they're looking to get back together. So I don't see him fitting into that role, and he's he's not gonna he's not going to have much uh, leverage uh, saying that that's where he fits in the future is what I'm getting at. His best Corsi
0: percentage numbers were with Logan Shaw and Chris Tierney. How funny is that? But he was also um, 50% with Brady Kachuk, although they only played about 15 minutes together all season long at five on five. That to say, it's going to be a unique contract. Now my comparison for him, and there's a couple guys who we pulled up, but just last summer, um, I'm weirded out by this one because I don't think it's a good contract for the player. I think they overpaid Casey Middlestat, but he signed a three-year contract at $2.5 million. He hasn't lived up to it, but that's a type of billing that I think would probably be a reasonable contract for him because he doesn't have arbitration rights. Like when you look at some players who did have arbitration rights, I mean, you can look in the organization as well, uh, Connor Brown, although Brown played a lot more games and had more responsibility at the time of signing, but he signed at 3 times 3.6. So I want to say that 3.2 on a three-year deal would be the absolute maximum that you'd give him. Do you think 3.3 times 3 gets it done?
1: I don't think it's going to be even that close, Ross. Like I said, the Sens have the leverage here. So I think... Ideally, just in a random scenario, sure, 3 by 3 makes sense for both sides. The Sens aren't going to do that. I think they're going to try to get him for under $3 million for sure. I, I would guess we're looking at like a three years, $2.5 million. And the, the Middlestat one is a tough contract because that's Buffalo trying to buy low on a guy. And sure. that's Casey Middlestat trying to be like, I know I'm better than this. I know I'm worth more. Just give me time and give me a decent contract that... Looks inflated right now. I I don't think Formanton is in that scenario. I think where they see Formanton is kind of where he's going to be. And mind you, there's room for improvement, obviously, when a guy has only played one NHL season. But I don't think they're expecting a big boom. And I don't think they're going to pay him with the idea that a big boom is in mind. So I really see my guess as you're looking at. Uh, The three-year deal, that would take Alex Formington with one more year left at RFA. So they get one more chance with the leverage for next contract negotiation, if I'm understanding that uh, correctly, not a captain expert.
0: he'll have arbitration that time.
1: But he will have arbitration that time. So I think they're going to try to get him at a three-year deal, and I'll say at $2.5
0: Okay, yeah, that's fair. The other contract comparable, and don't take this as what he would sign for now. Remember, this was signed before he exploded offensively. But before this season, Jordan Kyrou extended for two years at 2.8. So again, you're looking at a bridge deal for a younger player. Now, Kyrou more than doubled his point output yeah. this year. He went from 35 points and Formanton had 32 this year. So you can make that comparable. Then he had 75 and 74. So of course, he's a v- extremely valued contract right now that's up at the end of the year. I don't expect... Formanton to step out and have 75 points next year but 2.8 on a two or three-year deal I think would be perfect for Alex Formington
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense I, I think that's what you're looking for for both sides now I, I really I, I think we got to watch closely here I think the Sens are really going to hold the hammer and it's going to be a underwhelming deal for Alex Formington uh, AAV wise
0: so you think this is a contract that Extends out for a number of months. You think I could see this being a September deal, where you're like, "Okay, we have the leverage. You don't have arbitration like a Mattia Joseph, so we're just going to make sure that we get our number. And whenever Absolutely. you feel like agreeing, then feel free to come back."
1: Uh, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to send him one final offer, slide it over on the table, call us when you're ready to sign. I think, but it like, can't be quality.
0: It's not like a qualifying offer where he's making 800K. You have to give the kid some respect. 18 goals. He plays on your top penalty killing unit. Didn't he lead the league in shorthanded goals? Not this he, year. He was, last. he was tied.
1: He was tied for the lead. I think this year, actually. Yes.
0: Yeah, sorry. It was yeah. this year. Yeah, 100%. I With a to- uh,
1: guy from uh, LA, Trevor Lewis?
0: Uh, we sure? What I'm going to do right here is pull up the last two seasons. Okay. So where where do you think he ranks shorthanded goals the last two seasons league wide? Uh, and by the way, you got it. Ha- you got Two thirds right. Probably top five. Top top five, and he ain't five. <laughs> so four. Um, no, he's tied tied for third. But okay. it actually is. You could say fifth as well because there's two guys with seven, and then three guys with six. Now it's Los Angeles Kings forward, Trevor Moore. So you got LA, ah, you got okay. Trevor, but Trevor Moore there. He's tied with Cam Atkinson. They both have seven. Now here's what I'll say. And here, I'm going to pull this up because it is actually interesting. And I should mention Formanton is tied with Brad Marchand and Connor Brown. So interesting uh, to note that the two of them are right up there. But look, look at this, Pilsy. What do you notice there when you're looking at the, at the top shorthanded goal scorers from this, uh, from this stretch here of two seasons?
1: Uh, all left shot wingers. Is no, that what you're telling me. <laughs> Everyone's
0: played at least 120 games except for one guy.
1: Yep, true. So he's okay. played
0: 21 less games than Connor Brown. He's played uh, 38 less games than Trevor Moore. So the production is pretty impressive. So I'm my final answer: three years, 2.95 million. Because we know the Sens love saying they keep it under three million dollars.
1: Yeah, I, I think ideally that makes sense, but I don't think the Sens will let it get that high.
0: No? Okay, what do you no. think? Like 3 by 2.5? I got you 3 at 2.5. Yep.
1: All
0: right, let us know in the comments. We're curious. What do you think? Because we talked Matthew Joseph, yesterday. I think there's a bit more of a range, but yes. again, was it more honeymoon phase, the offensive explosion? What is he really going to be? Lots of great answers on Twitter as well, at Sens Central. You can give us a follow there. Pillsy. You got a quick word from one of our sponsors here, and then we'll get back to our draft rankings coming up with the mid-teens. Yep, yeah, I'm
1: stoked for our draft rankings, and I'm stoked as always for my Built Bar. That is, a, uh, there's so many ways you can start your day off right, and Built Bar is definitely one of them. And it's summertime, and you got to keep your Built Bars cool because they're covered in 100% chocolate, every single bar. And Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, guys. That's what I love about Built Bar is they focus on making their bars taste good and then figure out how they can be healthy for you. Like I said, they're all covered in 100% chocolate. They have so many cool products. Have you tried Built Puffs yet? They have marshmallow that's infused with protein. That's incredible. And If you're at their website, Built.com, they got new granola bars that are also covered in chocolate. They've got coconut, peanut butter, berries. There's so many amazing flavors. So we recommend if you haven't tried Built Bars, get the mix box. And the best way to do that is go to Built.com, use our promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your next order. Guys, check it out at Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar.
0: All right, Pilsy, we have an absolutely wild moment developing on Twitter right now. So there is a group spearheaded by Craig a friend of the show, producer for Wally Mathot, to get Alfie into the Hockey Hall Ooh, of Fame. And we have been on this train For years. Yes. For years. I feel like the old man skeleton verbal meme sitting in the lawn chair at the bottom of the ocean. We've (laughs) been doing this. However, this is an awesome initiative. They've got the Twitter account going, Alfie to the Hall. We love that. Great video right up off the bat. They are making a formal public submission to get Alfie into the Hall of Fame. We know that it's happened. Like Wayne Scanlon's done articles. There has been a push from certain media members, right? Right. But never the team. The Ottawa Senators have never acknowledged it, right?
1: Which is so weird.
0: Until today. The Ottawa Senators have quote tweeted the (laughs) inaugural push to get Alfie into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And you can say, sure. This is just, it took them five seconds to write a tweet. This is a shift. Another shift by the organization to make amends for some hatred that has been brewing between members of the alumni and the organization this cannot be overstated how important it is to the long-term outlook of the ottawa senators
1: well it's it's crazy that we're sitting here talking about this ross like they didn't have to do much like it's it's just acknowledging it and it's just leaning into the juicy storylines that surround this franchise and alfie to the hall of fame is arguably one of the best storylines that needs to have the chapter closed on it with Alfie heading into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And all it takes is them, the ego... That was behind the Ottawa Senators for for years to finally that's not the forefront of things is is the ego behind the sense? Now there's so much more. It's fan engagement, uh, hopping on onto social media and creating good content. And these are changes that are finally you're going to see big effects happen from this. And hopefully it helps bring in more casual Ottawa Senators fans. Like, it seems like there's there's two, there's two sides. There's either you're a diehard Ottawa Senators fan or you couldn't care less about the team if you're in the Ottawa area. Like, there needs to be a blend of casual fans that can just be like, yeah, Daniel Everton, I remember him, he's sweet, let's get him into the Hall of Fame. Those kinds of conversations need to be sparked and they need to happen.
0: Oh my God! This I'm so happy. Grid things are coming for the Ottawa Senators, and we appreciate you making us your first listen of the day and coming along for the ride here on Locked On Senators. We are a daily podcast covering your sends five days a week, Monday through Friday. We'll get to some programming notes later in the week, but we got to continue on with our draft rankings. Uh, I will mention we do have interviews coming. We're recording them right now. I'm going away, so we're gonna make it seem. Extremely seamless. And then if there is breaking news, Pilsy will jump on as well and take you through that leading up to the NHL draft. Just had a great conversation with Corey Promin this morning, and he mentioned one of the players on today's rankings. So let's get into it. Coming in at number 18 on the Locked On Senators draft rankings from the Winnipeg Ice centerman,
1: Connor Geeky. Connor Geeky, this guy, this is a big prospect. Ross, this we're guy, we're I looking range. at six foot four, over two hundred pounds. He plays uh, in the middle of the ice for the Winnipeg Ice, and. Look, uh, right off the bat, there's a lot to like about him, right? Like his brother, he already has a pedigree. His brother plays for Seattle crack and he's already an NHLer. So, you know, it runs in the family. He was a number two overall pick in the 2019 WHL drafted by the, the Kootenai ice before they moved to to Winnipeg. And he's already got some WHL experience. He had 23 points in 24 games in the WHL bubble last year. And then he did have a handful of games before, but no points in seven games. And this season, He popped off 63 games, 24 goals scored, 46 assists, good for 70 points. And then Rossi got got a glimpse of him in the playoffs. In 15 games, he had three goals, eight assists, good for 11 points.
0: Yeah, so he's an interesting prospect. We'll get to the wide range of opinions on him. But you mentioned over 200 pounds. Now, on the WHL website, he's listed at 204. On Elite Prospects, he's listed at 205. But NHL Central Scouting had him at 190. With a six four frame, so clearly he's got some growing in to do. You can see from the photo if you're watching on YouTube, like pretty thin, pretty tall, lanky kid. Sick hands on him though. Like he is, he's the type of player that can control the uh, the pace of the game through his hands instead of his feet, which is important when we get to that part of, of the the wider scope of what Connor Geeky is as a prospect. So you mentioned he went what second overall or first in second. The, so you know who went first that year, right? It was Savoy, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, Kootenai had picks one and two in yep. that draft. So talk about a head start for Winnipeg getting that franchise with two kind players. Kind of like
1: the Gatineau Olympique situation.
0: Yeah, 100%, except I guess those picks didn't hit as much because we're only talking about one of them in that case. And sorry to Matthew Savoy, he's the guy who's cut out in this photo. It was a good photo of the two of them together, but had to get geeky in there all by himself. So he's the type of player, um, we'll, we'll get to him in a sec, but let me go through the rankings right now because... Bob McKenzie, and again, this one is more from what the league is thinking. However, his rankings here that we still have for Craig and Bob, they're holding out on us, man. They're, they're wait, making us wait. So as of right now, we're still using their midterm rankings. Everyone else has provided us with their final rankings. Bob McKenzie has him at 10th. Scott Wheeler has him at 16th, which we'll talk to him about Connor Geeky as well because this seems like the type of player who Scott Wheeler would typically be a little lower on. Elite Prospects, Chris Peters, both have him at 19. Corey Pronman at 20, down from seven though on his midterm. Tony Ferrari at 25 and Craig Button at 26. So you've got a range here from 10 to 26. So basically he will be a first round pick, I think.
1: Definitely, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to go in the first round.
0: So what do you like most about Connor Geeky? Because for me, there's two things that stand out.
1: So what I like to do, Ross, before I do any kind of reading of articles and before I get anyone else's opinion on a player, I like to go to YouTube and just watch the highlights just so I have a clean slate, no kind of um, predisposed judgments, nothing kind of clouding what my opinion is on him. And the first thing I noticed with Geeky is his ability to constantly beat goalies one-on-one. Like whenever there was a scenario where, you know, it's... It's literally just him skating into the zone. There's no defender in his way. There's no tip. There's no pass. There's, there's nothing else happening. It's just him versus the goalie. He's always beating them. He has such a good release and he's so accurate. And the way you know that your release and accuracy are on point is when he scores the goal, the goalie doesn't like, let's say he goes top, top glove. The goalie doesn't like move his glove after the goalie's still sitting there and he doesn't like put it like, like drop down and be like, Oh crap. I let a goal in until the goal like goes on. Like he doesn't even know where that puck went until it's like, Oh, a goal has been scored. And then it's like, how, how did that puck get behind me? And that's the kind of release that he has. And it's just so impressive. Like as a goalie watching that, you're like "Oh, that goalie, (laughs) like, he wasn't even close. Like he didn't even get a sniff of where that shot was going. So that was the number one thing that came out to me is his shot and his release.
0: Yes. And not only that, but his, his IQ for me is the way he thinks the game in the offensive zone is unbelievable. Like watching him down low physical, man, physical. He doesn't have the skating. And that's probably the biggest detractor of his game is it's just a weird stride. It's choppy. It's, it's not pretty to watch, but, Have the Sens drafted bad skaters before and done all right out of the WHL? Yeah, Mark Stone comes to mind. Obviously, playing playing the middle of the ice is is a lot different, but the Sens have a phenomenal skating coach in Shelly Kettles, and you got to think that she'd be putting in work if the Senators do decide to go the Connor Geeky route. But you you know that scouts just get enamored with the 6'4 frame, center iceman, and... Call me crazy, but when I watch this kid play live, I, I saw him six times this year, I think I went to, once in the playoffs, and I see a bit of Evgeny Malkin in his game. Like, he, I know sure. he he said he compared himself to a bit of Malkin and a bit of sidle all put together. I think Not that, bad. slow the roll there, kid, a little bit, but I will say that he does have those Malkin qualities where he leans on guys in the offensive zone, and you just can't get the puck from him. It's yep. just impossible to get the puck from him. So to me, his puck protection ability in the offensive zone, and then if he was a better skater, he would obliterate guys all the time. But there are still the plays where all of a sudden, he comes out of nowhere and just kills kills guys. So he's physical, he's big. He's not like, it's it's weird to say, because maybe he's not the type of player that's going to wow you always with his skill, but then he'll have like a flash of skill. You know what I mean? Like Savoy, like the, the smoothness of his game. He doesn't have that, but it's more like, wait, how is this guy doing what he's – whoa, whoa, like how did he just put that upstairs? Like that was a really sick shot. So he he's a, he's a tough prospect to get a read on because he gives you these flashes of unbelievable talent. But at the same time, when you're watching a full sample of him, you're like, oh, he's kind of leaving me want more at the same time.
1: Yeah, and that's one thing I read. Uh, a couple scouts said that um, – and the hockey writers mentioned that – Oftentimes he likes to cheat on offense. So that kind of plays into what you're saying where it's like in a full sample size, you're like, I'm not really sure. But then when the puck does get transitioned and we're going into offense now, you're like, Holy crap, this kid is good. He's got it figured out. But the issue is when you cheat on offense and you're not a strong skater, you're leaving your teammates hanging out, hanging out to dry defensively. And because you can cheat on offense, Ross, if you hustle back and you're able to make up that lost ground when the puck is turned over, Connor Geeky's not able to do that. And so essentially there's odd man rushes being created all the time up against the Winnipeg ice that defensemen are going to have to deal with. You take the good with the bad because he's probably going to create a couple rushes on his own cheating offensively. But for a centerman, those are bad habits that are going to get exposed massively in the NHL. So that's something I think he needs to work on now when initially I started watching Connor geeky highlights sends part of my brain, it's totally biased, but I got Logan Brown flashes, right? Like good, good vision, (sighs) great shot, all these kinds of things in junior. It all, it all works out, but Where I like Connor Geeky's chances more than Logan Brown is he uses that frame. Like you mentioned, he uses the frame to just out muscle guys and put his backside into guys to protect the puck. He uses that frame in front of the net in the corners. So that's where I I see a lot more potential than him fizzling out like Connor Brown did because he's already understanding how to use that frame. Now imagine him understanding how to use that frame with... 20 pounds added onto onto him. And now he's, he's not only dominating guys in his own age group, but he's dominating guys at the professional level. He's dominating uh, men that he's battling up against. So I think there's a lot to like about Connor Geeky, but you have to kind of uh, take what you're getting with him with a grain of salt, knowing that there are some major things like the skating and the cheating on offense that are going to have to be coached out through time.
0: There really is. And I worry a little bit about the playoff production Like, yeah, he's still at 11 points, but the goal scoring really dried up compared to what it was during the regular season. And as we pull up his Elite Prospects page, he's a May 5th birthday. He's listed here at 6'4. Crazy, we don't have a
1: picture for him. (laughs) I know, right? Connor Geeky, come on.
0: Get it together. From Strathclair, good Manitoba boy. And as you can see, the Rangers are just all over the place. His brother, as you mentioned, plays for the Seattle Kraken. And. Yes, so maybe I'm being too too hard on them because 11 points in 15 games, it's
1: not bad. But, but like you said, the goal scoring being at three, that that's kind of concerning.
0: Three goals in 15 games, yeah, and there were a couple high scoring games. Like they yeah. dominated through the first two rounds, and then obviously Edmonton was a wagon, so they were able to take care of that. But even still, like last year, it was more a little bit more of a playmaker. Still nine goals, but 23 points in 24 games. I'm still a little more bullish on him. And maybe that's because I want to be able to see a sentence prospect playing Winnipeg next year. <laughs> that to say, I'm going with three stars for Connor geeky. I think I could talk myself into it. The raw tools that he has his head coach thinks that at the NHL level, he's going to be a six, 220 pound centerman. And those don't grow on trees. I understand the Logan Brown flashes. I get it. There's also no injury concerns like Logan Brown has had throughout his yep. career. And what would Logan Brown have become without injury? Still, foot speed an issue that's where the similarities go beyond their size really good playmakers good vision good hockey iq i got three stars though for connor geeky i could talk myself into oh if we can just fix his stride just fix his skating he'll be a hell of a player so not banging the table for him but i wouldn't be upset if they take him although it's seven then I'd start to be a little upset.
1: Yeah, and that's fair. And that is a good point that you bring up. Logan Brown, a big reason why he didn't play physically is because he had that hesitancy of getting hurt all the time. And when you're a big guy that gets hurt, that makes your day-to-day life off the ice very difficult. So that that's definitely a fair uh, point there. Ross, for me, I see Connor Geeky as being the type of uh, uh, prospect that a team is looking at if they already have a number one center in place and they're not looking for, they're not trying to hit a home run and have a guy reach number one center potential. I think the perfect range for Geeky projection wise is a really good third line center and and a good second line center. Like, I don't think any team is going to be hoping they can develop him into a number one center. So that's where I think it's going to be interesting to see what teams are interested in him. Having said that, the Sens are looking pretty good up the middle finally and uh, have some confidence there. So I don't really love uh, the range that he's going to go in, probably somewhere from 10 to 20. So I don't like the Sens uh, drafting a Connor Geeky for that point. I give him three stars as well, just because it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense.
0: All right, Pilsy, coming in at number 17 on our 2022 Locked On Senators draft rankings. We are going back to Jurgarden and not even for a final time because they have an absolute wagon coming out of their Swedish U20 program. But this one, we're going at number 17 with an average rank of 19 left winger Liam Ogren.
1: Yes, and uh, garden just keeps pumping him out, and Liam Ogren is no—he's uh, he, no slouch, that's for sure. And he's got a little, uh, a little bit more size than uh, wingers we've been looking at recently. Over six feet. Uh, I've got him at 187 pounds, so it looks Whoa. like uh, he's at got a combine. big boost here. Yeah, if we're looking on YouTube, Ross pulled up the graphic where it has him listed at six one. 201 pounds so having a winger with his type of uh speed and skill with that kind of frame that can add some muscle and not get uh beat in loose puck battles that's a big thing for uh Olgren. and yes he was the captain for sweden at the u18s
0: yes he certainly was and he doesn't only bring that leadership he brings a nasty set of hands with him for me that's one of the big selling features of his game and he uses that to to his advantage as a shooter as well 33 goals, 25 assists, good for 58 points in 30 games. And get this, Pilsy, only six penalty minutes as well. Only three minor yeah, penalties wow. in 30 games. So this is a guy who's discipline uses his teammates well, can snap the puck with the best of them. And that's a big reason why Elite Prospects had him at 13th on their list. Now, Tony Ferrari and Scott Wheeler both have him at 14th. And then... We got a few in the 20s as well. Craig Button has him at 20th and Bob McKenzie and Chris Peters at 23. And then Corey Prondman's got him down at 26th on his list. So that's a range from 13 to 26, a little bit less than geeky. But at the same time, you're like, okay, that is still a pretty wide variety of options where he could go. That averages out to 19. For me, he's a stud. I expect him to be a top 15 pick.
1: Why is he such a stud? You you mentioned the hands, but uh, well, go on.
0: The, the offensive ability that he brings to every shift. I love his compete level. I love his stride. I love the way that he skates, man. There's a YouTube video called Liam Ogren scoring more goals.
1: And
0: <laughs> you can just see, and then it's Cam Robinson who we're going to have on our mock draft. And don't be surprised if the range that we have Cam on for, if Ogren goes in that range. Because, dude. I mentioned his hands and how it opens it up for him. A few of these shots, man, like he comes in and he just changes the angle with his hands and boom, he's able to just snap it in. And he's bigger than like, I would I would probably have him ahead of LaKaramaki, his teammate there. LaKaramaki has the elite, elite shot. And sure, we always talk about what's that one separating quality that you're going to bring to the table. Now for Ogren, I'd say he's got a couple very, very good qualities, maybe none as good as LaKaramaki's shot, but everything else, the whole package, the larger frame, the way he moves, the way he he can um, view the play offensively, and then to play defense and not take any penalties and be able to control the play on both ends of the ice. I just see him as being a really translatable player into the NHL while not suffering a drop in his offensive production.
1: Yeah, and, and I think uh, I would agree with you that he doesn't have that shining, defining attribute like uh, Lekker Mackie and Oslin do, but I still think his shot is, is something to take a look at here because... When I was watching highlights of him, um, what he was able to do is he's able to use that shot from range, and that's such a nice ability to have as a winger that he can just confidently just rip shots from the hash mark, kind of float back a little bit farther away from that home plate area, but still have that same success rate that he would if he was closer to the net and in more of a high-danger scoring um, spot there. And I think he's a good skater too, which is why he's great in transition, because he's able to use his edges, and then he can kind of stop-start on a guy, and then have a quick burst of speed to get around him. Once that defender's bit on one of his moves, then he can just burst right by him. And then you combine that with the hands, like you talked about. Like, he doesn't always have to kind of... Hezzy Hay he- he- he people and get him uh, shaken. <laughs> he could just beat you straight up. He's like, here's the puck. Try to go for a quick uh, poke check. Whoops! And just dangle it right by you and then he's gone. And when he was playing with uh, Osland and Leckermaki, that's a dangerous trio to have get-by defenders in the rush transition-wise. Now, I, I think... Um, It's going to be very interesting, Ross, though, to see how these guys do without each other because they were so constantly playing on the same line that when you have three top guys that are used to that, what happens when they can't lean on each other for those other attributes that the other ones bring along on that line? So how confident are you that Liam Ogren can have that type of success that he's been having on his own?
0: I'm very confident. And just like reading what Wheeler has to say about him got me fired up. This is a quote from Wheeler's write-up. His offensive arsenal is multifaceted and he's got some real sneaky craftiness and evasiveness to his game yep. that are a compliment, the, that complement the tools of strength over the puck through his shot that are so obvious. So to me, those are all things that are going to translate to the next level, no matter who you throw them on a line with. Now, I'm just like eyeing Vancouver with this. We know they love their Swedes. They just signed that, minnesota first round pick who didn't end up uh, earning a contract and part of the reason why not to get off track is they got a second round pick as compensation but it was a good flyer they like their swedes and i just picture him one day being the left winger for Elias Patterson, and just seeing like the skill the way that he can bounce off his teammates just works so well so i don't have a problem with this i think that the one thing holding him back from being a top 15 guy for sure for sure is he's not like the most explosive skater in terms of straight line speed. I think yeah. his agility is just fine, but he's not going to be an Alex Formanton for earlier in the episode. We talked about how he just has that, you know, speed burst button that he can just hit. He doesn't have that, but he he's just such a well-rounded player that pops offensively. So to me, this guy's a, if he was a centerman, we might be talking about him even higher, but I like him on the wing. I don't think he's going to move from that to, by any stretch, but I, I think that he's a fantastic player. And, again watch for him at Vancouver at 15 that to me just seems like such a natural fit
1: yeah and that's the thing his range is probably right around there like I would say it's a little tighter than geeky probably like 12 to 18 type range it, it kind of seems that way yeah. um, so from a sense point it, it's tough to see a scenario where they select him now Ross can you pull up the uh, the EP page here I want to I want to highlight uh, something that I thought was just very interesting, and we when and we've talked about this before with the SHL Swedish prospect guys is when you're looking at his game logs, like so he absolutely lit it up for J20, his own age group, right? We mentioned 58 points in 30 games, 33 goals in 30 games, goal per game pace. Then you go to the SHL, 25 games, only one goal, one assist. Now, we know that to be very typical. That's usually how it happens. Now, Ross, for people watching on YouTube, scroll down to his game logs.
0: Look at that world uh, under 18s. How
1: are you? Yeah, he had a good tournament, that's for sure. Now, hit, hit the show more. And look how often he's bouncing from league to league. He's playing like five games in the J20, one in the SHL. And look at that one game. Zero minutes of ice time, zero seconds of ice time. Now keep scrolling down. 26 seconds. 26 seconds for one game, a minute. Six oh seven. Like, well, and in that six oh seven,
0: they're down seven one. So it's all garbage time he's playing.
1: Exactly. Like it's just crazy that a guy can be so dominant in his own level, and then he b- gets bounced up to the pros for a game or two, and the coach is just like, "Yeah, nah." Like this is
0: all from this year. Look how many. Look
1: at look how much he's bouncing around. This is what I wanted to highlight here. It's, and I know I say this every time, but I, we really got to get someone to explain the Swedish development uh, <laughs> way here because it's, <laughs> how, it's how wild this? to me.
0: How about this? He plays two games the SHL, gets zero minutes, then gets two minutes, then goes down, scores four goals in a game, then comes back <laughs> and then goes back to the SHL. But yeah, you're completely right. This is absolutely wild. It's crazy.
1: For a guy that has so many skills, like if it was like a guy that's literally just a sniper and he's able to beat the J20 goalies, he's like, sure, whatever. A coach isn't going to trust him much. But uh, Ogren has so many other skills. St- dependable skills that can be translated to a pro level and he's still not getting that opportunity so that to me it's just so interesting to look at how different they develop their players over there because you would think the swedish hockey program would have like some kind of communication with that shl teams being like hey look this guy's gonna be a big part of swedish hockey future like let's get him. let's get him in here but of course the shl coaches they don't give a damn about that they're trying to win championships which you got to respect but it's just wild to me when you see it like this, how glaring it is.
0: Yeah, well, what's glaring to me is two goals and an assist, three points in a six-four victory Fletch in the G. gold medal game against Team USA, a stacked Team USA um, thing. Right now, he's scheduled to stay in Jurgarden, and they actually got relegated from the SHL. So that's crazy. Kind of wow. speaks to the fact of of how how poorly the numbers are there. That team was just bad, straight up bad. So I'm curious to see. Does he come over to North America earlier rather than go to the Allsvenskan? That's going to be worth noting as well. He's born January 28th. He's obviously a left shot, left winger, and he is signed for next year in the Swedish, I was going to say the SHL, but that ain't it for Jurgarden anymore, yeah. at least for now. Wow. So very interesting prospect, but Pilsy, I got him at four and a half stars. I think this yeah. would be an awesome addition to the Sens prospect pool,
1: but are you saying four and a half stars, throwing out the notion of the Sens being able to draft him? Because you've done that for a couple of the ratings here. Does that so you you'd be four and a half stars, and you want them to to I would say trade up is probably more likely than no, trade down. Um, no, trading up from second round. We're not
0: playing this. We're not playing this anymore. <laughs> yes, if if the Senators somehow picked in the range of fifteen to twenty five, okay, I would love. But I, I just mean how he would fit into the organization. Okay. There's certainly players that I'm going to think are better and give them five stars going forward here. So I would say at seven, he would probably be my 13th choice.
1: Yeah, that, that's definitely fair. I,
0: Which is higher than where we have him here at 17. But I also think that once Bob McKenzie and Craig Button's final rankings come out, he's going to move up to probably 16 or 15 on our list.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that's affected. I... I got him at three stars. I, I just think there's so many other guys I would be banging on the table for if they're gonna trade up or down. Uh, and I, I think I think he's good, but I really am a little bit nervous about how he's gonna do on his own. Not because I don't think his skills are translatable, but just because he got so comfortable and just seeing those SHL numbers of a of a coach being like, yeah, I, I can't use you here. Like I, even like the only times he was getting minutes was garbage time games on a bad team. So. That just gives me a little bit of pause here, even though I know that's typically the case for those guys. But I I would just be, there's guys that I have uh, highlighted over over him that I would go for here. So three stars for me.
0: And Pelzi, how many stars did you have for Geeky? Uh,
1: I think three as well. Yeah.
0: Three stars. Yeah. So you and I are both three stars for Connor Geeky. I'm four and a half for Liam Ooh. Ogren. And you've got three stars as well for him. Very interesting. I'm excited to see what the next flashes bring because we've got a lot more to get to on our draft rankings. Tomorrow, we're going to discuss Eric Brandstrom's next contract and we'll touch on the Stanley Cup final that begins tomorrow. We'll get into our best bets and all that coming up on tomorrow's edition of LOSP. But for today, we say goodbye for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast.